Welcome, Westover, and thank you for being with us today. God bless you, whether you're in the room or online. We celebrate the goodness of the Lord together. This year, our theme is Together. This weekend, I want to talk about celebrating together. When you arrived, if you didn't receive this brochure that says Celebrating Together, would you raise your hand, and one of our ushers will bring it to you because it has some information in there that will accompany the message, and I, I'd like you to have this. So just lift your hand. The ushers will move about balcony and main floor. We want to we wanna celebrate together. We're going to reflect back on 2016, last year, as we're into this new year, but I, w- I want to reflect and celebrate together what God has allowed us to do as a church and as a ministry. With that in mind, I want to invite you to join me in the book of Acts chapter number 14. Book of Acts chapter number 14. Our notes and all the information on the Westover app as well as life group discussion questions. But we're going to look at one verse, verse number 27. But before I do, let me just set the scene. Chapter number 14 is a setting in which the Apostle Paul is on what's often called his first missionary journey. Now we know from the book of Acts, from the Bible, that Paul would have three missionary journeys. He's on missionary journey number one. I like how the chapter opens up and it says, and they went as usual to the synagogue. One version says, as was their custom. They went as usual to church. I like that. They went as usual to church. Make it Make it your habit to go to church. Make it your habit to be in the house of the Lord. And they went as usual. We get into the chapter, and it talks about miracles. It talks about the preaching of the gospel. It talks about what God was doing. All the great things that was occurring. Just parenthetically, let me just make mention, there's one little insight in the chapter. There's a transitioning happened in in Acts chapter 14. And Acts chapter 13 is talking about Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, but chapter 14, the order changes. It's now Paul and Barnabas. It's in chapter number 14. The apostle Paul is lifted up by the Holy Spirit, and he becomes a dominant role in the New Testament church. The two leading apostles that are in discussion in this chapter is Paul and Barnabas. But it brings us all the way down to verse number 27. They've preached, God's done miracles, the presence of God has been out, people have come to Christ. And then it says in verse number 27, On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened up a door of faith to the Gentiles. They got together and they reported all that God had done. That's what I want to do today. I want to report all that God has done in 2016 and celebrate and give glory to the Lord. We have a mission statement here at Westover. It's two phrases. It's four words. You've heard it. You've probably seen it on the website. But I, I, want, you to, I want you to voice it out loud. I want you to speak it out loud. I want you to affirm it out loud. Westover Hills, our mission statement is making new and making great. We're in the business making new of bringing people to Christ. Everyone that's in Christ is a new creature making new. But it's not enough about just coming to Christ and staying there. God has a making great path. There's great things God has in store, an abundant life. The fullness of Christ, God's nature, God's life. 
in us, our families reflecting that. That is making great. At Westover Hills, we have five core values, five things that we say, ah, we're going to make sure we do this. This is what we're about. This is what we're going to do. This is the five things we're committed to in order to, to advance the making new and making great mission of Jesus here at Westover. And I'm going to share the report, the Celebrating Together report under our five core values. Core value number one, we say at Westover, a bigger heaven is a better heaven. What do you mean? More people, bigger heaven, more people that come to faith in Christ, a bigger heaven, more people that will stand in front of the throne and worship God, more people that are followers of Christ, a bigger heaven is a better heaven. Can I tell you, the angels in heaven, they don't rejoice when somebody makes a touchdown. The Bible says they rejoice when somebody comes to faith in Christ. I mean, in heaven, if you could see it for a moment, when somebody says, Jesus, come into my life, there are angels that are high-fiving each other with wings, you know. They're just kind of, God. That's what the Scripture says. They celebrate together when someone comes to faith in Christ. And I want to share with you, in 2016, we had our best harvest year ever last year in 2016 in kids ministry student ministry adult ministries in our services and all that we do outreach 2887 people said i've invited jesus into my life or i've rededicated my life to the lord Oh, nearly 2,900 people said, I have a making new moment in my life. I'm reminded last, uh, that one that happened last year, we gave an altar call and a man came down from the balcony and he met me in the center aisle as he came forward and I introduced myself to him. He put his head on my shoulder right here, uh, my right shoulder, and he began to weep and in a broken, sobbing voice. He said, I'm living an alternate lifestyle and it's killing me and I need to make it right with God. Right there in the aisle, we called upon the name of Jesus, the one that correct the one that redeems the one that rescues us from our mistakes our, our sin and our twisted ways and god redeemed him i'm reminded of another man that came and met me in the altar he had a gray t-shirt on he had a forlorn look on his face he stepped forward i introduced myself it was during the prayer time like we had just a few moments ago he said i i don't know if you recognize me but i used to come to the church years ago and honestly i could not remember him I couldn't put a name and a face together at that particular moment he said but in the the years since then can I tell you I've lost my marriage he said I have got involved in alcohol and I drank my marriage away I've lost it he said I woke up this morning he said I now live in Austin and I said I've got to find God and I remember the church I attended in San Antonio. I drove here from Austin, and I need God. And this was the place that I just felt like I had to come back to. And at that moment, he said, Jesus, come into my life. And I tell you, that's what it's about. A bigger heaven is a better heaven. God's about redeeming souls with that. 520 people baptized in water last year. Follow the Lord in water baptism. On a regular basis here at Westover, 
We have over 4,600 people that worship with us in our Saturday night, our 9 o'clock, and this 11 o'clock service every week. Some uh, nearly 1,300 people show up every Wednesday night all over this campus, kids, youth, adults, ministry happening on this campus. And our Spanish church, which will be in just a moment at 1 o'clock, they will gather as you're walking out and you're about to go get your burger or your, your sandwich or your salad. Can I tell you, people will be filling this auditorium. 665 people regularly come to the worship service of our Spanish church. And this room is filled with Gloria Dios, Santos, Santos. Gloria Dios in their heart language. They're worshiping Jesus. Oh, can I tell you right now, 15 miles from this campus is our Medina Valley campus. 270 people regularly gather there worshiping Jesus. I spoke there last weekend and lifting their voices and celebrating on a weekly basis on the weekend. Over 6,000 people, their lives are being touched. They're coming to a Westover service. If you include the midweek, over 7,000 people in some aspect in a Westover Hill service is being touched. Their life is being impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because a bigger heaven is a better heaven. I think about last year, our Christmas program, Mr. Barnaby's Christmas Shop of Wonders. You know the kids, some of them still call me Mr. Barnaby. <laughs> Last week, I had a little boy said, you're Mr. Barnaby. I said, yes. We're, Denise and I are still known as the Barnabys. In fact, on my headstone, I think in parenthesis, they need to put their <laughs> alias Mr. Barnaby, okay? Yeah. And on that weekend, we had over 500 kids up here, and we had a wonderful time. Do you know, for the three services, the three services of our Christmas program, we had over 9,500 people in three services, the largest single Sunday we ever had. If you include the Spanish in Medina Valley that day, that day we had over 11,000 people were touched by Jesus in a service that weekend. Can I tell you, God's about, God cares. You say, is it all about numbers? Yes, because everybody counts. I count everybody because everybody counts. Every child, every baby, every teenager, every senior, everyone counts. Everybody is important to God. Let me talk for just a moment about outreach. Last year, Westover, you gave $455,000 plus to World Missions. Of that, considering 350000 of it went overseas around the world to touch and minister, building schools on Bible schools in, in Tanzania, Africa. I'm going to share with you one project. And that was a project we shared with you about a year and a half ago. We completed it uh, last year, and that is in Nairobi, Kenya, in Africa. I, I, I told you about the church that had a piece of land they wanted to buy. And if they could buy that piece of land, they wanted to build a school because just about a mile down the road from that little church is a slum area. People are living out there under cardboard boxes and tarps, 
There are no fathers there. Some of the women have to engage in prostitution just to feed their children. Uh, it's, it's horrible. Some of them are out begging, scratching, going through dumps, dumps and, and, uh, and trash piles in order to find enough to feed their children. And that church said, we have a piece of property. If we could buy that, excuse me, they wanted a piece of property, they could buy that. They would build a school and do an outreach. We helped them buy that property. We built them a building. You'll see the pictures of a beautiful school in Nairobi, Kenya. You paid for it. You gave the money for that. I know there are many needs all around the world, but can I tell you right now, there's 125 kids in a slum in Nairobi that are going to have a different life. They're going to get an education. They're going to get two meals a day. God will retrieve those lives. God will rescue those kids. Why? Because a bigger heaven is a better heaven. We gave this church, you did graciously, uh, in that number, so over $43,000 to U.S. Mission, 61000 right here in our own community, reaching out and whether feeding the hungry or, or our Teen Challenge, a drug rehabilitation ministry right here, reaching out. And by the way, by the way, our church cafe, we have made our church cafe to sponsor an orphanage. And Haiti, I've been there. I've held the kids. I've sat with them. I watched one little girl. She has a disease up on her hand. I got her picture in my phone, and when I look at it, my heart breaks. She wears little white socks over her because her hands are open sores, and, and the little children around her don't want to sit by her, and I watched her all by herself, and I went over and sat down by her, and I watched her pick up that spoon and put food in her mouth. Her knees are open sores, and it broke my heart. And I said, oh, God, we got to do something for the orphans. And you have begun to graciously give. We sent them $35,000 plus last year, and we turned our cafe into sponsoring the orphan. For every cup of coffee you buy, we take $1. We take all of the proceeds from that cafe, and we feed orphans. When you buy a cup of coffee, you're probably putting a pair of shoes on a child feed in, in Haiti, or you're putting a plate of food in front of them. Kids that have nothing that have been thrown away. Can I tell you, God cares for those kids. And every one of those kids need to be in heaven. A bigger heaven is a better heaven. I think about our sports ministries. We begin to ask ourselves as a church, how can we make a bigger impact in San Antonio? And we determined sports ministry could do it. They're teenagers, there's families, there's, there's teenagers right now. You ask them to come to a youth service or hear a youth pastor speak, they're not a bit interested, but they want to play sports. Sports is a part of our culture. In fact, somebody told me there's a ball game this afternoon, some, I don't know which, I, I, I've kind of heard rumored a little bit about it, I, I, I don't know. Sports is a part of our culture. So we invested $1.2 million dollars and this concession restroom, state-of-the-art, first class. I'm, I'm not, I don't apologize for doing it first class for Jesus. Guess what? It's paid for. You gave to the building program and tithing, and we were able to pay cash and bill that without incurring any debt. And we're going to expand that. Why? Because we want to make an impact in our community, families, teenagers, lives, hearts. We want to connect with people. 
because we believe a bigger heaven is a better heaven. Core value number two is it's good to grow. At Westover, we believe it's good to grow. It's good to grow in the Lord. That everybody, everybody that knows Jesus, everybody that has a making new experience needs to be on a great, making great pathway. Growing in God, growing in your marriage, strengthening your life, growing in discipleship, becoming like Jesus, having a better home life, just everything a part of us growing. It's good to grow spiritually. And we want to we wanna be a church that nourishes that. And one of the ways we do that is through life group ministry. Life group where people gather together. Denise and I have a life group. Somebody said to me this morning, Pastor, last service, I'm going to start a life group. I, I, I want to do I want to open my heart and my home. Get together with six, eight, 12 people, sit around the living room, share pray for one another, encourage one another. That's why on the Westover app we have life group questions so that you can come to a service and hear the message and then go with the life group questions and discuss the message and take the message and just expand it and deposit it so deeply into your spirit. Life groups that encourage one another. You're saying, I, I'm wanting to meet people. You need to join a life group. I want to be more connected. You need to join a life group. Why? It's good to grow every third week of the month we're starting this year we're going to do life group training and i have to believe that god is going to give me 40 people 40 people that'll say i'll go to life group training i i i i sense god wants to take me beyond just receiving that god wants to make my life a channel to encourage and bless and strengthen others. I want to connect with people, and I'm willing to let my house and my home be a part of that to connect with life group ministries because it's good to grow. Number three core value, we say we're better together. We're better together. That's why we ask you to join the church because we're better together. That's why we have a women's conference, and over, nearly 1,100 ladies last year came for a women's conference, and I stepped in the back that day, and I saw all across here ladies just soaking in the presence of the Lord. We target things that just, particularly for ladies, because there are some things that just encourage and speak to them and give God a moment to make a deposit in their life. We're better together. We've had two men's encounters last year, had two men's encounters. Over 600 men attended each. We have a men's encounter this Friday night. We have over 700 men that have already pre-registered. Pre-registration is closed. You say, can I still come? Absolutely. Come. Come. You can register this Friday at 7 p.m. We're going to have ministry time in here. After the ministry time, we're going to go to the gymnasium. You have to have food with guys, okay? Yeah, yeah, just, you, 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 we just got to eat. We're going to hang together, eat together. You're going to have a chance to join a men's group. I have a men's group. I look out there, and I see some of the men in my men's group right now. Yeah, some of them are in this service. 
fact, my men's group's next, next weekend. We're going to get together on Sunday. We gather together. We pray together. Had one of my men in the men's group call me this last week, and he said this to me, Pastor, the men in our group are so great. They're texting and praying for me, and this is what I'm encountering. Fellas, you've heard me say repeatedly this year, I'm inviting you to go on a journey with me. I believe there are men God is stirring your heart to just not be usual, to not be average. And you're sensing God wants to do something different and new and deeper in your life. And I'm going to invite you to be a part of our men's encounter and following the men's encounter for three Wednesday nights starting February the 15th. I'm asking God to give me 100 men that will meet with me for three Wednesday nights in a row while service is happening here, we'll be meeting in room 201. I want to pour into your heart. I want to pour. I'm asking God, give me a hundred men that desire something more of God. God, you're speaking to them. God, you're stirring in their life. God, you're doing something. It was John Wesley, one of the founders of the Methodist church, said, he said, if you'll give me 100 men, that fear nothing but sin and love nothing but God. He said, we will turn back the gates of hell and we'll establish the kingdom of God. And that just resonated in my heart. And I have been praying for months now, God, give me a hundred men, a hundred men that will join me and that will say, Pastor, I, I will be a part. Pastor, I, I, I'll step forward. I'll be a spiritual leader in my home, and I'll be a spiritual leader in all areas. I'm praying God grant that. Let me talk to you about camps. It's in the report. We had 400 high school and middle school students go to camp, summer camp last year, and 429 kids that went to camp. Oh, camp is a great time. I was saved at a summer camp. And every year, every year, I, I, I bring this invitation. I encourage you. I, I say, parents, get your kids at camp. Get, make that investment. And inevitably, every year, I say, well, you know, maybe. We're kind of thinking about we may blow up balloons that week. I don't know if we may do that. We, we're thinking about uh, uh, doing crafts that week. We're, we're thinking about maybe going to the swimming pool. That I, Every excuse, every, every, everything comes in the world that what, what you may or may not go. I asked my teenager, I asked my middle school student, and they said, really not, not sure if they want to go. I'm your pastor. Let me talk to you. Kids do not make spiritual decisions in the home. Parents do. <laughs> Parents you make, you make the spiritual decision. You don't ask them if they want to go. You tell them, do you want to eat in June? <laughs> then you will go to camp. Do you want to own your electronic devices in July and August? Then you will go to camp. Parents, you make the decision. Do not put decisions in the, in the, in the hands of children. I put, some parents... Some parents, I hear that. Why aren't you in church? Well, I asked my six-year-old, I asked my eight-year-old, do you want to go to church today? And they said no. The eight-year-old is making spiritual choices. Let me ask you, parents, do you ask your kids this? Do you want to go to school this week or do you want to stay home and watch cartoons? Do you want to wear clothes today or do you want to go outside naked? What do you want to do? No! 
You make some decision. You say you're going to wear, you're going to brush your teeth, you're going to eat breakfast, you're going to go to school, you're going to do your homework. But when it comes to the things of God, we let them decide. Can I tell you, parents, God wants us to make those decisions. We are, we are charged by God with the spiritual life of our kids to ensure, to train them up in the way they can go. I call as parents... Let's be spiritual leaders in the home. Why? Because we're better together. Your kids need to be at camp. Fourth core value, strong faith builds strong families. Strong faith builds strong families. Nearly a thousand people came to our strong family conference last year. Oh, I attended too. It was a great time of ministry. God was ministering to families and healing stuff and helping dads and moms just to step forward and and just be mom and dad in the home and let me just for a moment speak to all of our young couples all of our young couples we're starting a young couples ministry we want you to be a part we want you to connect with it young couples there is so much pressure on you today, financially, social responsibilities, uh, temptations, distractions, pressure. Temp- There's so much going on. You need a moment in a place where you can come together and be encouraged and your faith as a couple be fostered. You'll be better together. Strong faith will build strong families. And I want to invite our young couples to get connected. I'm going to share with you in just a moment an opportunity where you can step in, speak to our family life pastor, but we want you connected because we want to strengthen your family life. And number five, our fifth core value, save people, serve people. Save people, serve people. That's why Pastor Brent came on our staff to spearhead and help more people connect in a volunteer moment and share their gift and their talent and then serving in ministry and being a part of what God can do. They have rolled out this year our Next Steps class. That class is offered twice a month on the second and fourth uh, Sundays of each month. It's a one class that lasts three hours, two opportunities a month, but you only have to attend one. It will take you all the way through membership, our values, our connection. You can join a life group. You can step into a ministry. That is the door that you enter one time. You walk through that door and you can find a place to belong here. And I'm asking that everyone here in 2017, you go through our next steps class because God has a next step for you. And we want God to use you and we want your life to be fruitful in the kingdom of God. That every one of you could just, you will see God working in your life and you'll find your spiritual purpose in ministry in the church and, and, and not just be in the fringe and not be just a number among, but to actually belong and connect in a significant way in serving in ministry. There's a poem. I always share it at our celebration meeting and I will in just a few days on the 19th. I don't think I've ever shared this poem in a weekend service, but I share it every year in our celebration meeting, but it seems fitting to share it with you here. It's entitled, 
Who flies the kite? Who flies the kite? I said the boy. It's my joy. I fly the kite. Who flies the kite? I said the string. It's my thing. I fly the kite. Who flies the kite? I said the tail. I make it sail. I fly the kite. Who flies the kite? I said the wind. It's my whim. I fly the kite. Who flies the kite? All are wrong. All are right. All fly the kite. It takes everybody. It takes everybody. In Acts chapter 14, verse number 27, the verse I read to you as we opened up, let me go back one more time. There's something you've got to see. It says, on arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them. Did you notice that? Through them. Not for them, but through them. God God wants to do something through us. Through us. And then the Scripture says, and how he opened a door of faith. And I believe, and the Lord put this in my heart, there's for many people right now a door of faith. There's a door of faith the Holy Spirit wants you to walk through today. There's a door of faith that God wants you to respond to today. Let me explain it this way. If you get to a moment in your life where there is a storm and there's a turmoil you can't handle, it's because in an earlier moment there was a door of faith you didn't walk through. God wanted you to walk through this door of faith because this door of faith prepared you for this challenge. But because we didn't respond in this moment, we collapse in this season. And that's not what God has for you. And the Bible says, and God did it through them. There is a through them moment God has. Through you. Through your participation. Through your volunteerism. There is a a phenomenon that's actually studied by sociologists called the bystander effect. The bystander effect. The bystander effect says that if you come upon a need, a crisis, an emergency, and you're the only one, you'll look around you and you'll say, there's no one else to respond, that that person will call 911, that person will respond. But if there's a larger group, the bystander effect comes in. People will see the same need, the same crisis, and think, oh, somebody else has already probably called 911. Somebody else has already attended. Just a few months ago, I don't know if you caught this on the evening news, there was a man in a major U.S. city had fallen face down, was laying in the road, and had laid there for an extended period of time. People were stepping over him and the crosswalk. And that was the bystander effect. No one stopped because they thought somebody else was probably on their way. No one called 911 because they all thought somebody else had done. The bystander effect was in operation. And it made the evening news. And it's the idea. Guess what? There are many others. 
So somebody else can coach the team at the church. Somebody else can start a life group. Somebody else can do that. Somebody else can respond to that. Somebody else can do that. Somebody else can volunteer. Somebody else can tithe. And it is so easy in a larger church for the bystander effect to come in. Let somebody else do it. And I'm here to invite you to step in, to step in. I'm going to ask our ushers to get prepared for our offering. And in just a moment, I'm going to receive the tithe and offering. And here's what I'm going to bring it down very practically. I'm inviting you, men, families, this is, if Westover is your church home, to not buy into the bystander effect. Very practically, I'm inviting you to tithe here. The Bible tells us to bring the whole tithe. That's what the Scripture teaches us. Do you know, according to God's Word, there's no such thing as almost tithing or halfway tithing. If we don't tithe, we're not tithing. If we give half of our tithe, we're not tithing. The Bible says bring the whole tithe in. And I'm going to invite this congregation. And I believe many of you have been for weeks prayerfully considering and you've determined Westover is my church home now. If that's the decision you've made, I'm going to invite you today to tithe, to bring the whole tithe in and honor God and be a part of what he's doing here. Some have been in the bystander effect. Some of us have said, you know what, I'm going to next year. And you said that two years ago. And you let another year go by. And you let another moment go by. And I'm going to invite you to step through this door of faith and honor the Lord. I prayed and talked with many ladies in the altar. Fellas, hear me for just a moment. And this is something I hear over and over again. Pastor, I know God wants us to tithe, but my husband won't make the commitment. My husband doesn't agree. You see, if the man won't make it, the house is divided. So I'm, for a moment, I'm going to speak to the men. I'm going to talk to our fellas. I grew up in a home where my mom honored the Lord with the tithe that my dad gave her to run the household. But my dad didn't go to church. And I can remember as little kids going to church, walking out the door, and I can still hear my dad's voice in the back of my ear saying, and don't give any of my money to that church. My dad never believed in it. My dad never did it. Yeah, but my mom, she stepped through a door of faith. She sent her boy to camp. And God saved him. Little did she know that boy would be called into the ministry. And he had pastored one church 31 years. And that church would start a Spanish church. And that church would start a Medina Valley campus. 
That church would build sports ministries and reach out. That church in one year would reach 2,887 people for Christ because my mother was faithful to walk through a door of faith. Fellas, I'm going to invite you. Honor the Lord with the tithe. To start now, in fact, if you haven't tithed for this year, to give January's tithe and give February's tithe and say, this year we're going to honor God. You see, I've discovered I never lose when I put God first. Never lose when I put God first. And I'm going to invite you to do the same.